Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Habs Nightly. I'm Mason Dixon, and we are back with another episode. Back with Corey, the Bayou Benders. How's it going, man? Dude, it's going great. Um, man, I just want to say, I couldn't stop fucking laughing uh, when I tuned in uh, last time I was on. And I have, like, Zydeco. I have a Zydeco intro. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Not going to lie. <laughs> 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 I was dropping a little Budweiser van, dude, and just cracking up. I mean, we're happy to have you on. Like, I think that I've, we've mentioned more happy it than you are to have me on, dude. I, this is where I want to be. This is amazing. Yeah, it's me and you get along pretty good. Um, obviously, you're becoming more regular on the show, so I thought it was only appropriate that we sit down and talk about the trade deadline. Um, a lot of Habs fans, you know, not too happy. A lot of them are okay with it. Personally, I know that I am fucking livid. I want to hear. I don't your know who's happy about it. About it. I, I I can't. I don't think I've I've seen a happy person about it. <laughs> I've seen it's bullshit, few. dude. It's whoever whoever thinks we walked away with a glimpse of fucking like a great future, like wh- have you watched us? Have have you have you seen what we were fucking capable of doing in this in this fucking draft? Uh, not draft. I'm sorry. In this fucking trade deadline, we had a chance to not have to go through a rebuild. We could have brought some parts in and fucking did it. Ridiculous. It's fucking stupid. And you know what? I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm upset that Thomas Tatar is still on our team because Thomas Tatar is one of my favorite fucking players. Like, he has made Montreal fun to watch again. And Absolutely. Yeah, like, he has clearly embraced the city. The city's embraced him. But when you look at what some people got for John Gabriel Pajot, a first, a second, a third, um, fucking Barkley Goudreau got a first-round pick. Who else? There's a bunch of just obscene deals that we saw. Just When Pierre Dorian is robbing people, you should be able to make a fucking trade. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one that really, really blew my fucking mind, um, Robin Leonard to Vegas for fucking Malcolm Subban. That's not a trade for trade. That's just that larceny. is so far from that. That you you just gave Vegas the ability of having one of the greatest tandems in the next three four year span <laughs> because what they the needed fuck? it too. Yeah. Oh, dude, they absolutely needed it. But but are you serious? Just a trade for trade? This is this isn't this isn't fucking Shea Weber from for Subban. This is Malcolm Subban who granted. Decent hockey player, but also a little injury prone for Robin Leonard. You know, what What did he win last year? The, it wasn't the Vesna. It was, what, the Jennings? It was the, uh, I think it was the Masterton and maybe the Jennings, yeah. Dude, what the fuck? No, it's bullshit. He, he's clearly a starter. He was with Chicago. Even said that he wouldn't mind staying with Chicago and helping it rebuild. You know, helping this team prosper. Dude, they offload him, and what do they get? Dude, they fucking, well, they didn't get shit. Vegas is looking like they're the fucking winners. Yeah, and I know we're getting a little off topic here, but I feel you got to feel so bad for Robin Leonard. He's been through so fucking much. You know, we saw him absolutely carry Buffalo before they got good. He never got to stay there when they had players like Jack Eichel. Yeah. And then he gets traded to the Islanders, finally starts, you know, playing like a fucking champ, absolutely carried them when they were bad. Now mm-hmm. they're good again this year. He won the Masterson with them. They ship him off, goes to Chicago, plays lights out, starts, you know, 
seeing a future for Chicago and then get shipped away. So you got to hope, like, if all else I think, fails. I think he's going to do great. I think what we yeah. saw, you know, before we even get to Montreal and, and start really just rage raging out, uh, <laughs> I think he's finally landed in a team that's going to take care of him. Yeah, he's that's got a great organization around him, and he's got – he's sitting next to Marc-Andre Fleury, someone who has been able to take, you know, the second and, and really help the other uh, goalie – uh, move into that position. Now, granted, I don't think Robin Leonard's going to be moving into his position, but dude, this is two guys that are a little bit older, get a chance to sit back a little bit more. And with this, this new, you know, tandem era, this is great for both of them. It gives them a, both a chance to relax, both a chance to recover. They're not playing every, uh, every fucking night, every game, you know, this, this league's getting faster. And with them getting older, dude, they're going to do really good playing off of each other like that. And while you bring that up before we even fucking get, to not trading Tatar or just getting absolutely nothing for Nate Thompson. Let's talk about you mentioned that they now Flurry isn't gonna have to play every game. Harry Price has played like ten games in a row, and we're not even close to making the playoffs. Mark Bergevin has no backup goalie. Keith Kincaid is shit. Lindgren I don't know what he just refuses to play Claude Julian refuses to play him. What are they are they trying to injure Carey Price and burn him out early? Like do they want to end this man's career? I don't understand. It's like uh dude, it only took Patrick Waugh one game to fucking leave, you know, when they traded him like this. It it's brutal. Do we want, do we want another season where Carey Price is out till January? And we know that if he's out till January, that's another lost season. The way this yeah, team is like, built, like you know, I guess like you could see it as, like, we're bringing in uh, Primo. You know, I, I'm hoping that's what we're about to start doing. But it's, like, not necessarily the best way to take care of your starter that's been here, you know, for fucking years trying trying to get you, you know, to backstop you into a playoff position. It's, it's just uh, – it's frustrating. Why would you burn him out like that? It, it makes no sense. I get that Carey Price probably wants to play, but when you look at it from a, a smart standpoint, like, shut her down. Give Primo some fucking opportunity because we're not Yeah, let him winning. start now. We're not going to the playoffs, dude, so, like, why not give Primo more chances? Get him, get him you know, it, he looked good. What he played, two games? He looked, you know, a little nervous at first, but then second, third period, you see him, he, you see he's starting to get loose. He's starting to get comfortable. Why not finish off the season, give him a lot, a lot more play time, and, you know, if, if, we're, if they're saying that they're ready for him, let's fucking bring him in next season. Exactly. And then if that's not what you want to do, if you want to – they want to keep Primo down because, you know, Laval is making a pretty big playoff push this season. Okay, I can get behind that. But then you absolutely strip Laval's roster. You, you trade Nate Thompson to call up Jake Evans – leading point scorer and just kind of mm -hmm. leads that team. And then you get rid of Matt Pekka, a veteran, for a seventh-round pick and an ECHL player. Sorry, yeah. that's not worth it. We need him to develop our young players. It just – this was a disaster for the Montreal Canadiens. It was silly. Uh, truthfully, the only I, – I, truthfully, the only positive out of, uh, out of the trade deadline day was, was Nick Cousins. Now, yes. granted, granted, like you said – uh, before we started, you know, he has acquired a, a good amount of points. He's up, up uh, what, 30, 31, somewhere around there. 31. Um, but definitely a player that, that we've talked about that could have definitely – we could have moved him. 
Uh, there's names on, on the list that were available. You know, we didn't want to see uh, Pet. We didn't want to see Petrie go anywhere. We didn't want to see Fun Kovalchuk go anywhere. We didn't want to see Tatar. But we understood that if we moved them, there was a chance for us to gain something back. Now we move Ilya Kovalchuk. He's playing on the third line right now. You know, he didn't really do anything tonight in his, his debut. But fuck, dude. Um, what were they saying? There's a chance that uh, we gave him away so he can sign back. What you don't think Washington would give him? A, if, if Washington goes deep in the playoffs, you don't think they would they would pay him seven nine like we did or whatever whatever contract we gave him? We're playing half this dude's salary right now to go win a cup and hopes that he comes back. I I, I don't know, man. Like, and when you go just go answering the Nick Cousins thing first. When we were talking earlier. You know, I'm not saying I expect the same kind of deal, but Barkley Goudreau, a 26-year-old, same age as Nick Cousins, who has 31 points, the same amount as Nick Cousins, makes $100,000 less than Nick Cousins, got traded for a first-round pick, and we got a fourth. And I'm not saying that Mark Bergevin is going to go out there and get a first-round pick because that was an absolute steal. I'm just saying when the market is that inflated, all you could get was a fourth? Are you kidding me? John it's, Gabriel Pajot, he got a first, a second, and a third. And to the Kovalchuk thing, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I do think that if Mon- if Montreal was only giving up like five places in the draft position, I feel like it's a good move just to leave that door open. But if they were giving up like a second round pick or something, it's just so stupid. It's sheer stupidity, and it makes no sense. Look, man. Barkley Goodrow has been like the depth player that San Jose has needed this year. You know, uh, their their offense isn't where it's at. They're so hurt right now. You know, I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, I think it's the Penguins are like the number one team that's like has really been affected by injuries this year. But San Jose has to be in the top five. But Barkley Goodrow, despite only having eight goals, sixteen assists. He's been there for this fucking team. He's not afraid to fucking to get in deep, and he's got 80 penalty minutes. Now, yeah, that's going to hurt your team a little bit, but it shows that he plays he plays a very intense game. Now, some of these some of these, you know, penalty minutes are selfish, you know, they they're in the bad position, they're in the wrong position as, you know, as I'm trying to say. But for you to offload uh Barkley Goodrow and get a first round back just screams, what the fuck did we do wrong? Did we not talk to the right team? Were there other teams available we could have talked to to get a better deal? If not, why didn't we up, you know, why didn't we up the fucking, you know, the trade, you know, the, I, I, I don't even know how to say it. Why didn't we, we add a fucking pick for next year? Why, why did all we got from this shit is a third round for this year for Ilya Kovalchuk and then two 2021 draft picks, fourth and fifth. I don't think that's enough. I don't think Nick Cousins for a fourth-round draft pick next year is enough. I don't think Nate Thomas for a 2021 fifth-round pick is enough. It's bullshit. And, uh, like, the Nate Thompson deal, I just I don't think needed to happen. If that's all you can get, Nate Thompson has is winning 55% of his face-off win, um, sorry, face-offs this year. And – Aside from that, his PK time, all that, we understand what he brings on the ice. 
when you look at what he brings off the ice, though, the moment he left, Nick Suzuki, Jake Evans, um, Phil Deneau, they all came out and talked about how amazing Nate Thompson was. Jake Evans said he has totally modeled his game after him. He wants to emulate how he is on and off the ice. Jake Evans played with the man for a week. So you're going to trade that kind of presence in your locker room when you are one of the younger teams in the NHL for a fifth-round pick? That makes no sense at all. And he wanted to play in Montreal. He wanted to stay, and you shipped him out for a fifth-round pick. It's just fucking silly, bud. I, I don't know where Bergevin is going with this team anymore. He claims that if you – I don't know if you watched the um, press um, interview with him after the trade deadline. He's, he was talking about, oh, we need to build through the draft – yeah, that's fine. It's it's fine to build a future. Yeah, <laughs> but that's he didn't trade for any picks. But yeah, that you, what future next year when you might not have a fucking job? It, ugh, it makes no sense. I don't get it. And it, I'm not going to say that Montreal doesn't have a shit ton of Montreal has a fuck ton of picks. They've got like I think it's 14 picks. Yeah, they've got double the amount of picks that they would start with. Two seconds, that, or sorry, three seconds, that's amazing. Two-thirds, okay. But when you look at what Montreal picked up at this trade deadline, because we're talking about this trade deadline alone, they got the third from Kovalchuk, okay. And then I'm looking at it. They got a seventh from Pekka. And then just it's all fourth-round and fifth-round picks next season. Like, how does that – how many times does a fourth or fifth round pick turn into a quality player? And even less when they do work out, do they turn into a quality player quickly? And Montreal needs help quickly. Yeah. We got, um, just, just, just a blank off of that. Uh, we got, we got 16 picks. So not too bad, but what we gave away should have definitely at least been a pick this season. Now, granted, we are pretty stacked, and maybe they were looking at that as far as we got 16 picks to work with right now. So maybe maybe it would be great to stack for the next season. But we need – I don't know. I just think there was, there was a lot more we could have did. Um, because if you're watching the trades go on and you're the GM and you're seeing, like – it's like a fucking ATM machine that's just spitting out money. It's yeah. spitting out money. It's putting money into your account that is way more than it should be. What the fuck are we doing? You know, <laughs> Patrick Marlowe, you know, moves like granite. Like, you know, that that's only a third-round pick next season. But, I mean, you know, Patty Marlowe is getting up there in age. I think that was a great move for them. But some of these are fucking insane. Well, uh Athanasu and Ryan Kuffner. So you got Athanasu, a, a possible, you know, can definitely do shit with Edmonton. Ryan Kuffner, I don't really think he's he's anything to talk about. But they move, you know, veteran Sam Gonier and a 2020 second round pick, and then a 2021 second round pick. You telling me we couldn't get a fucking at least an extra pick to go along with Nate Thompson? I understand the fucking, I understand what's going on with the Cousins. I don't think we could have got another pick out of that maybe like a bottom tier prospect or, or at least a third round fucking pick for him. I mean, Sammy Vatnin got two players plus a 2020 conditional fourth round. 
it it just kind of baffles me, and I don't even think I feel like if I knew what this team was doing, it would piss me off less. But my issue is that it it seems like Montreal is trying to pick up a bunch of picks because they want to build through the draft. But Mark Bergevin has gone out and said, and I believe he said it at the trade deadline, that he he personally believes that the only guaranteed picks are in the top three. So unless you're a lottery pick, Mark Bergevin doesn't think it's a guaranteed that the player is going to make the NHL. So why is he stocking up on so many fourth and fifth round picks? And going into that, if you're saying you want to build through the draft and you're in love with Nick Cousins, who you traded a player for, why are you not trading Thomas Tatar for draft picks or a prospect? Because Chris Kreider resigned. He was the top forward on the market. Everyone mm-hmm. knew it. He was clearly better. He had more points. He plays, he's more skilled and you got nothing for him. Mm-hmm. All we're going to get next year for keeping him is another just heartbreak at not making the playoffs or being swept in the first round. I mean, the one team that, uh, like, like you're saying, like we went in to get picks, we went in to build a future. Why didn't we, why didn't we go out like the senators? Senators are sitting at three first round picks, four second round picks, and then three third round picks. That's a team that is sitting there saying, this is how we're going to rebuild the team. We're going to rebuild it in our, you know, in our draft next year. It's pure fucking Dorian. He's the dumbest GM in the league. And he managed that. Dude, um, I think player-to-player trades who won, I would say Vegas. But then I would say as far as draft picks, Ottawa wins this draft. Ottawa, I mean, I'm sorry. Ottawa wins this trade, this, you know, this trade deadline. It was insane. They offloaded people that were high prospects that were not working for them. You know, do they want to keep them? Yeah, I'm guaranteed. I guarantee you that they wanted to keep these players around. But look what they got in return. It's insane. And Pierre Dorian even said, "You say, yeah, they didn't want to get rid of." Pierre Dorian told, like, told the press he cried when trading JG Pajot, but he knew it was the right choice, so he fucking did it. So I don't know if Bergevin was emotional about Tatar because you know we've seen him trade PK Subban and. Max Pacioretty. It doesn't. Yeah, I've seen, like I've seen a lot of cutthroat deals from Bergevin. So, like, this was the year that, like, I, I thought we were going to get a little bit of cutthroat. I thought we were going to have one of those trades where we talk about, hey, man, I don't think this trade really makes sense. And then in the long run, we say, hey, man, this actually worked in our benefit. I don't see any of those this season. I don't see any beneficial trades that we made. And that was the one saving grace to Bergevin is that he would make those trades, those trades where everyone goes, wow, Bergevin got robbed, and then by next season. Yeah. But we haven't seen that. Absolutely ridiculous. Because I'm even looking at the picks Montreal has. When we look at trades that he's made, one of the fourth round, you said 16, one of the 16 picks we have is a fourth rounder from Winnipeg with Armia. They gave us a fourth with Armia. And we've already seen what Armia's done to the team. We also got a fourth with him. Like when your specialty is making deals and cutting trades or cutting trades and making deals, 
why are you not doing that at the trade deadline? Like that is, that is what makes you at least an average GM. Just silly. I mean, like, uh, I know personally, I'm kind of happy that Petrie didn't get traded. I know I didn't want him to go because there's no way Montreal replaces him for next season. And I think he's still got a lot in the tank. I'm not saying I'm not happy um, that Tatar is still with us because I love Thomas Tatar. I just feel like Montreal really missed on an opportunity to speed things up. And I think we're going to be stuck in another in-between year where we might may or may not make the playoffs and we're not going to get a lottery pick. Yeah. I mean, even the Sharks who have, were known to like have like depth uh, picks that turned out, they have one of the best seventh round draft pick uh, turn turnouts than any team right now. And they had no draft picks, really. They, they fucked themselves the past two years in draft picks. And they, even them made, like, a jump to try to, to, try to build a, you know, to, to have something in the, in the pool, you know, for the future. I just think ours was, yeah, we got draft picks, but not – I just don't think a, a 2021 if, – if we're going to get a 2021 draft pick, definitely should have been a third, no less. Third or fourth. that a, a fifth round is disgusting. Yeah, and I think the point you're making at, too, a fourth round pick in 2020 is a lot better than a fourth round pick in 2021 because it affects us more right now and we know whereabouts that pick is going to be. Exactly. Because in 2021, that team could be, win the Stanley Cup and it's a, basically a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, silly. <laughs> I know personally, I was um really, really excited for all the smoke surrounding Colorado, and that was one of my biggest disappointments. Um, me and my friend Rye, actually, he's a huge Abs fan. We were both really excited. You know, I thought something was going to happen. Thomas Tatar for maybe a prospect like Connor Timmins. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but one of their better defensive prospects, or a Bowen Byram went in like a multiplayer deal. And I was, you know, clearly something was going on there. Joe Sackick and Bergevin had been meeting for, like, weeks, going to each other's games. Nothing happened, but I was really interested in a Thomas Tatar and maybe a prospect like a Jake Evans or something for a package of Bowen Byram. Were there any deals that you were kind of interested in going in that you thought Bergevin should have made or at least looked into? Well, the Colorado one, that one sparked my interest when, you know, we see, you know, when you mentioned to me that they were they were in talk. So I'm thinking, like, right off the bat, like, dude, this is perfect. You know, they don't need a defenseman, um, but they're hurting. They're hurting. Their forwards are hurting right now. Injuries, bad for them, and especially goalies. So now I'm thinking, like, yeah, dude, maybe we can offload Tatar. Maybe we can offload, like, one of our backups, you know, move Frank Hoos. Uh, you know, I didn't see us moving Grubauer. I even, I even joked with uh, with with Michael on the the Dallas one about uh, you know, if it was to, if it was ever a time to move Carey Price, you know, now would now would be yeah. now would be a great time. You know, we signed him to a big contract, big money, but it's like, you know, all we're doing is dragging him down with not with not building a great team around him. 
you know, like we're, we're a good team. We can stand. But, dude, like we fall short every year because it's injuries or it's a pick that works out in the future but not right now. So it just – we're constantly doing decent, falling behind based off of picks and injuries. So I thought we would, we would make a big move. You know, I thought Tatar and, and our backup goalie for like, uh, you know, Frank Hughes and a, and a decent second round, third round pick. You know, I, we were even, uh, not, to, not to jump off topic too far, we were, we were even looking at, uh, I'm trying to think, we were saying Robin Leonard to Colorado because all season it's been Grubauer has been injured, you know. So, you know, we, we, were, we were expecting that to be the move is to bring bring in a solid first you know uh, a first string goalie to take some of that pressure off of a very injury prone team right now. Yeah, and you'd think that Bergevin could have capitalized on that too with you know we have Keith Kincaid obviously he hasn't done well this season but he has shown to be a capable NHL backup or Charlie Lindgren who is very inconsistent but when he's on has proven that he can absolutely steal a game. Not only is Colorado probably, because you said their forwards are beat up, extremely interested in Tatar, but they're hurt. Like, Grabauer himself has been injured a lot of the year. I think Frank Hughes was injured for a bit, too. You could have unloaded a goalie in a package as well and gotten even more value. And when, and Bergevin just missed such a big opportunity here. And I think yeah. we could go on about it all fucking night because me he's and a 20, you were, He's a 29-year-old man making – Four nine, you know, basically five million dollars is his salary right now, and it's like, dude, like, do I want to lose him? No, well, like, dude, that would be a nice chunk of change to get rid of, and it, it's a guy who's who's getting older. Granted, he's playing great hockey. If I'm not mistaken, he's playing some of the best hockey he's played in fucking like four years. He's you on know? pace to shatter his career numbers, dude. So like, happy he's still here, right? But of all the players that we could have made a big uh, successful trade for the future of this team could have started with him. Wouldn't have wanted to see him go, but, but the, uh, what we could have got back was so much larger based on off of the traders that we saw. There was so much more to look forward to if we could have moved to tar, didn't want to do it, but I'm just saying, you know, it just is what it is. It's the first rule of business. And in the end, Hockey is a business. The players understand that. That's why a guy like Nate Thompson, who was loved and embraced by the city, fell in love with the city, was so professional when he was traded. It's that you run it like a business. So when you can sell high, you sell high. You don't sell low. With Thomas Tatar, you will never sell higher. I don't think he will replicate the year he's had next season. I think he's going to put up maybe – a similar amount of points, but he, this is the year he's going into his contract year next year. He's still got a term left teams like that, that that's trade value. And instead you're going to run him into the ground next year. Cause he's probably not going to produce the same cause Montreal is going to be shit. This was and the year. This you could have bought so much. Yeah. This was our best year to get the max out of a trade with him. It didn't happen. It, it's it's frustrating. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to still have a player like that on this team. But just looking at the draft, dude. I mean, looking at the trade. I keep saying fucking draft, dude. Looking at the trades, though, dude. 
we there was so much we could have taken advantage of. So much. And teams were basically it looked like GMs were blind and they were just sending shit off. And I think maybe our GM was blind for not seeing that because you know, like I don't want to bitch about it too much longer. We got other stuff to talk about too, but man, Bergevin for a guy who is known for making deals and the analysts, if you're watching the TSN trade center, uh, Pierre Lebrun said it too. This guy's known for making deals and everyone was kind of shocked that he didn't do anything. Yeah, he was quiet. But anyway, um, just because I feel we've bitched enough, but we're probably going to bitch some more. There's a lot of season ahead for us <laughs> to uh, absolutely grill Bergevin. Um, looking at where Montreal is, you know, they're slotted to pick 8th or ninth, but I'm going to assume it's probably going to get worse. They uh, lost tonight against Vancouver in overtime. and Yeah, that's another. Ugh. Maybe we can have some positivity before we just go on to that. I mean, fuck, dude, I was at the bar watching it. Fucking what, 2 nothing. You know, I go in the back. I fucking talk to my friends for a bit. I come back up front. Dude, we're fucking we're tied up. The fuck? It's just <laughs> another case of Montreal blowing leads but to give some positivity because I think this team is going to be very good in the future I've actually had Maple Leafs fans and I know you probably don't deal with a lot of them down there in the south but I live in southern Ontario so they're fucking everywhere um, have told me <laughs> that they're, they think that this team is going to be really good in a few years and when a Leafs fan compliments the Montreal Canadiens because their heads are so far up their asses, you know, it's legit. And uh, a big prospect that we could draft is uh, Cole Perfetti. And I'm sure people have heard of him, at least in Canada. He was one of the last cuts for the World Junior team. A lot of people said he was snubbed. He's got 102 points in 56 games in the OHL this year for the Saginaw Spirit. Center, 5'10" quick skilled guy shoots left reminds me a lot of Nick Cousins and he could be an on the table especially where Montreal is drafting and I think that is positivity to look at this is a very deep draft and this could very likely be the guy that we are going to get so I think that is something to look forward to and then obviously we've got three second round draft picks two thirds four fourths I think Montreal is going to have a great draft this year are there any guys that you have had your eye on? Um, there, there was a few, uh, but just to, just to jump on to him for a second, I mean, you know, one of one of the most things, one of the number one places I look is uh, is like elite elite prospects, or I'll go to uh, hockeyprospect.com. He's ranked number four, so I mean, and this this dude is slated, you know, right now as we're looking at it, if you go on like Tankathon right now and you and you run it. He's looking like nine to fifteen range, mm-hmm. but he's but his rankings based on this are, are very high. So like this is a this is a, a very nice you know top five draft pick that is that is maybe being overlooked. You know maybe it's weight, maybe it's size, but it's it's definitely not based off of what he's capable of doing. He's got thirty five goals so far. He's already uh, reached a hundred points. So uh, definitely a guy I would love to see picked up. Not gonna lie. Um, when you when you brought him up, I kind of I kind of grinned a little bit. It, it was just such a 
it was such a smart, you know, it's a move you could see this team making. Definitely. And a player that Montreal is not afraid to draft. I think he fits the new age NHL quite well, you know, being quick, you know, maybe not undersized, but not big. Another player who actually is, when you bring up Tankathon, I think Tankathon has Montreal slotted to pick him eighth is Marco Rossi. And he has been absolutely demolishing draft boards this year playing for, I believe Ottawa. I might have that incorrect. Let me just look it up. So he's, I'm not... No, he's with the 67s. Yeah, he's with the 67s. Because we, we talk about him quite enough. I got Shane, you know, <laughs> being, being my fucking, you know, my wingman over there on uh, on a devil's advocate. So I, I do hear a lot about the 67s. The kid's having a great, a phenomenal fucking year. He's only played 49 games. He's at 33 goals. Uh, another guy broken the plateau of 100 points already. Um if this is if this is a guy we go with, not a bad not a bad pick. I do like the guy. Uh, what you call? It? I do like uh, Cole uh, Perfet. What is it? Uh, Perfetti. Perfetti. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, a little drunk. It's it's the last day of Mardi Gras, folks. So just, <laughs> just bear with me. I ate a lot of king cake. If you if you've seen the video, um, dude, Bacarossi. What a what another great slotted pick that we can grab. Really good. It. It's funny that you bring up Shane because I know Shane is absolutely Shane hates the fucking Shane is sold on him and he hates us so fucking much (laughs) to the point to where I was like, dude, we we beat y'all three to nothing and he lost his goddamn mind on me. He was like, yeah, well, you're supposed to fucking be this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) he fucking chirps me on Twitter so much. It's, I mean, when your team is that bad, you've got to find something to have, you know. Something but, to focus on. So, don't but he's really so blame. smart. So, like, I never give him, like, I never give him shit. But, dude, like, he's so smart. So, like, everything you say, dude, he's got the fucking research done. He's Charlie Kelly in the mailroom from fucking. It's always sunny. Like, this man's got to figure it out. You know, like, definitely a guy. If you need ideas, go to Shane. <laughs> and if anyone listening doesn't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Shane Ryan. He does the Ottawa podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, definitely a podcast you should check out. Um, you know, quality of his mic might be a little more trash than me and Bayou, but listen to what he has to say because the very smart guy, uh, very entertaining to listen to as well. Uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit, uh, since, you know, jumping on the second half of, of New Jersey and, uh, man, I learned a lot from him. He's given me great, great, uh, not, not just pointers as far as, uh, great sites to look for, for, you know, prospects and, and just stats. But um, he just really has a way with with transcending that into into audio as far as like the listener. So it's it's easy to listen to and it's easy to follow with him. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Definitely a you know you should check out all the podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network. But you know there's so much fucking shit to go through. 32 teams. I would definitely recommend Shane at the top of that list. He is quality. He knows what the fuck he is talking about. But anyway, moving on to the future. Um. Man, I just – I'm really interested to see what Montreal does at the draft. You know, shitting on Bergevin a lot, but I still think he's got that reputation as someone who's going to make a deal. So it'll be interesting to see if he does. I personally think that he's a smart guy. He knows he has to do something. I don't think he's blind to the fact that if he does not make a move, he is gone. So I think we can probably see something big happening maybe in the offseason leading up to the draft. Um, 
I'm thinking you might see a guy like Max Domi get switched around. And I know that, I don't know what your thoughts on this are. I would hate um, it. <laughs> I would, I would fucking hate it too. But, uh, I just find that Claude Julian doesn't fucking like him. I don't like Claude fucking Julian. And it's not just, <laughs> I, it's not just because I'm trying to defend, you know, one of my favorite players, Max Domi. I just think that why the, like to, Montreal has a way of recycling these fucking coaches that just don't work out for this team and him being one, like, like, dude, I don't like fucking Michelle Terrian. I don't like Claude Julian, but like Claude Julian has a way of turning every player into like a, a de- like if you're not a defensive fucking oriented goon, <laughs> he doesn't fucking like you. Now, Max Max Domi you- came to this team, you know, not very offensive. Came to this team, dude, offensive years, two fucking assists tonight. He had two goals the other, you know, uh, a previous game. I'm not, I don't, I don't know if it was the last game or the one before that. Super fucking streaky though. Dude, super streaky, but but I mean, fuck, dude. Like, why are you beating up on him? Because he's not he, – oh, dude, he's not out there fucking, you know, on the blue line. You know, he, he's not sitting back. The fuck? I think – I don't know. I think it's – Julian's definitely falls into the Tarion trap where he seems to choose players that he just fucking loves and adores. And then, like Nick Cousins, he just gave him all that ice time. And then Max Domi, if he makes a single mistake, he seems to punish him for that. I think we saw that with um, sorry, excuse me, with uh, Kotkaniemi too, where um, we're seeing what he's doing in the AHL with an actual good fucking coach in Bouchard. Who, you know, what can you say about him? He knows how to develop players. He's done it well. We see that with Jake Evans coming up. Um, oh, Julian does not know how to do that. And I personally, I'm a little have a bit of a different opinion with than you on him. I think he is a good coach. I think he's a very quality coach. He's won the Stanley Cup. I just don't think he's the right fucking coach for us because we're a young, offensively skilled team, and he is an old-age, you know, hard defense coach, and I just don't think it meshes. Look, if it was up to me, I would fucking wait till the end of the season. I would tell him to get the fuck out of Montreal. Sorry. I would go so, so hard on getting Gallant to be our fucking coach. Oh, man. Me fucking too. Like, dude, I would tell Julian I'd buy him a fucking cab. I wouldn't do like – I don't even remember. Was it St. Louis? I don't remember what team fired the coach and he didn't even have a fucking cab. They didn't even give him that. I would give him everything he needed to get the fuck out of Montreal to bring in Gallant. See, and I think that is a deep-rooted issue that Montreal has. And when you limit yourself – to only being able to hire, I'm going to say maybe this is being generous, 10% of coaching candidates, I bet you it's less than that, and general managing candidates because they have to be bilingual. Oh, they got to be bilingual. Oh, fucking Tabernak. Oh, we got to have we gotta have a fucking French-speaking man in here. Dude, fuck that. I'd rather have a cheeseburger and eat and fucking draw a galant. Come over here and whip this fucking team in shape. That's a, I think fans at this point, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong because, you know, I don't know if you guys know this down there, but Quebecers, man, and Ontarians, we do not fucking get along. All, basically, all of Canada fucking hates Quebec because they get babied by the government. Yeah. They get whatever the fuck they want, and they still try to leave our goddamn country. So, I don't know. But, um... I don't know what the opinion of a lot of people in Montreal is, but I know personally as a Habs fan, 
I understand the heritage behind it. You want to keep them French. At this point, I think Cavs fans would say, I don't fucking care about whether or not to, they speak French. I want to yeah. win. Do you want to lose? If you want to lose, we'll, we'll stay in this fucking, you know, this closeted mind, mindset of having this, the purebred. This isn't fucking Nazi Germany. This is a fucking <laughs> hockey team. Do you want to win? Do we want to just sit back and, and have people pick on us and we could be like, well, we have 24 fucking Stanley Cups and we won one in 93 with Patrick Waugh. Well, fuck, dude. I want to win one in fucking 2019, 2020. Well, fucking somewhere in the future. I want to have one that wasn't just a year after I was fucking born. I didn't. I don't remember that. It, it's a fucking issue, man. And I, I don't even know what this – there's an easy solution. That's the thing. Just fucking hire an English-speaking coach. Gerard Gallant, he was on a silver platter for us. And we could have got him. We we fucked up with a bunch of coaches that we could have had, but since they don't speak French, we missed out on it. And I think it's just a goddamn shame. And fuck yeah. Um, man, like I totally agree with everything you're saying about the um French Canadian bullshit on hiring. I think Montreal has a lot. This organization has a lot of deep rooted issues. And I think that is a possibly the biggest one because we all complain about Mark Bergevin and we shit on him and we hate the moves he makes. But if you look around at the candidates that Montreal has limited themselves to, even after all this bullshit, he's still possibly the best option. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you think of a French guy you'd want as our GM? Cause I can't. No. I, I like what he I like what he's done, and if we're sticking French, he's the candidate. And people can fucking backlash us and, and tell us whatever the fuck they want, Shane. Um, <laughs> but I mean, fuck, dude. Like, I'd rather have Bergevin as a coach and then have a new. I mean, I'm sorry, Bergevin as a GM and have a new coach and have fucking, you know, uh, Julian and a new GM. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. And uh, goes first. I mean. As, as far as, like, you know, maybe Bergevin saw something we didn't see in, in the trade deadline. He knew we weren't going to have a good season. Well, he knew we weren't going to finish off the season like we did last year, you know, one point out. Um, you know, so I, I've i been looking at uh, UFAs, and there's some great names out there, but at the same time, if you look at our uh, restricted free agents, there's 17 players, and then there's five or six players in UFA for us. And uh, there's some, you know, there's some pretty decent names in there. You know, Thompson got moved. Uh, you know, I just think that maybe he's looking at it as, as far as uh, I'm not. I'm trying to remember which GM was really quiet in the trades, um, and he he just made a statement. It was just like, look, I wasn't trying to offload somebody really quick, really quick for not what we could have made off of him. So he sat back and he's going to let the, the season play out and then do it in the off season. I think there's a chance for that. Um, we do have a lot of RFAs. We could get some. We could get some decent stuff back, but uh, there are some great names in the UFA categories for all the teams right now that we can really, we can really just bring in. Really, I mean, one right now, Alice Petrangelo. I mean, I highly doubt St. Louis would let him go. He's 30 years old, but he's literally having his last two seasons have been. Uh, on par with like a young Alex Petrangelo, he's playing almost better than than he did in the past. Like you're seeing a resurgence at an older age, which 
I wouldn't necessarily say would be too common as far as a defenseman, but like he's really been able to find his cushion and, and really get comfortable back in this league. Tory Krug, another big name. So it's like, you know, maybe we're not searching for this defenseman really big, but man, there's a lot of defensemen out there right now that are just screaming, you know, we can fucking pick them up. I think that's definitely an option. And I think the only reason that we're talking about it is because like you said, you know, Petrolangelo and Krug would be great additions to any team. But we're talking about it because we don't know what direction this team is going. If Montreal wants to compete and they think they can win a cup next year, they should 100% be in on both of those players because they can help you win hockey games and Montreal needs help there. You know, we've seen it throughout the last two or three seasons where Montreal's defense has not been. They've had some very quality players in Petrie and Weber, but other than that, they haven't really had anybody. But then we also think, okay, we might compete next year or maybe we're rebuilding. And I think before we make a move like that, we have to, at least Bergevin has to figure out what the fuck he wants to do. Absolutely. And, you know, this this man, you know, I, I don't really see him coming straight out and, and just telling us what he wants. He's, he's more of like an action forward guy. But uh, even even when like the backup goalie situation, thirty four years old, a little up there. But Anton Hudobin has been playing lights out in Dallas. If Dallas can't keep him, that's a big pick. Yaroslav Halak, you know, a year older than that, dude, playing great backup right now for Boston. You know, you could almost say he's the starter. He's been playing. I mean, really? Great. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. You really could. Uh, there are great names all over. All over the, the free agents coming into that, you know, coming in to after uh, after the season. So like you, you know, maybe, you know, we're so used to jumping on the Bergevin and not, you know, this dude thinks ahead of us. I get it, um, and some people don't like that. But to just take the time and look at some of these names that are out there, guys, there are so many big name potential guys that could fit into this scheme that wouldn't take too much fucking money from us to really build this team up and not have to rebuild. Yeah. Getting these picks are great, but like, man, just adding a couple of just small pieces, you know, to this team. Look at, look at Brendan Dillon making an instant impact in Washington, you know, like he's, he's scheduled for a UFA. I'm sure Washington, he, they might keep him, you know, uh, that's funny though about San Jose though. They actually took less to send him to a team that they thought he could win with, right? Now, sounds a little insane that they didn't want to move um, Joe Thornton, who openly said he was he would be okay with with moving to a to a team that had a had a fucking chance. They did it with uh with Patrick Marlowe, so he's a little upset about it. But if you come out and you say that, yeah, we moved Brendan Dillon for a lot less than, than what we could have got for him to Washington, so he has a chance. He's only been with the team for six years. You know, definitely. That, that, I just, you know, yeah, uh, that doesn't really fit in what we were <laughs> talking. It's more about the beginning. But dude, I saw his name and I couldn't help but I couldn't help but bring it up. That's insane. It it is kind of insane, and it I, I just my reaction there just because it, it pains me to see all these other teams doing these moves and doing well and being successful. And I think it's kind of funny how our conversation has. We've become so exasperated by Bergevin that we started off screaming and telling him to go fuck himself, and now we're trying to justify <laughs> his actions. It just, I think 
as a fan, and I understand that most GMs don't do this. Bergevin certainly doesn't. But I believe it was Toronto did it, and I think Detroit might have done it recently too, where they just went out and said, look, we're going to fucking suck for a few years, but we're going to work through the draft. We're going to try and rebuild, and we're going to build. We're doing this for you. We're going to have a good hockey team. And Toronto, I'm going to shit on them a lot because I think they're too soft and I think they're built wrong. But if you look at the talent that they have acquired, if they're on and they're playing good hockey, they could easily win the cup. And I think fans, at least fans put up with it. You know, they understood they had a plan. If the Habs organization, if Jeff Molson or Bergman just came out and said, look, guys, here's what we're doing. Either we're trying to win with Price now and we understand we might not, but we feel we owe it to him, so we're going to try. Fans would accept that. They'd say, okay, I get it. We know what we're doing. Or if they said, look, we're going to rebuild. We're going to take two or three years off, and we're going to try to acquire talent to win. Fans would be okay with that. It's this middle ground of uncertainty that pisses me the fuck off because I just want to know what to expect from my team. Absolutely. It's something, if you come out and state that, it moves you from a situation like what's going on in Toronto to what's going on with, with New Jersey, with Ray Shiro. Ray Shiro had that in mind. You could see that they're making the moves to have a bad season, you know, probably even next year, but to building a future, building, you know, rebuilding the pool. Uh, he didn't, they didn't really come out and state that. Ray Shiro's gone. You know, John Hayes, gone. You know, now you got Tom Fitzgerald. You got Martin Brodeur stepping up and taking a bigger role on the team. And you got Elaine Nazardine, who's doing really good as a coach right now. I don't think they should move him. That's something that I talk about in my podcast. But it goes a long way to tell the fans what you're fucking going to do. You know, you're already getting backlash from fans expecting more. If you come out and you say to us, hey, look, we're going to take some time to rebuild this team so that in the future – you have a team to watch and to be proud of instead of keeping us in the shadows, you know, cause then who knows, who knows what, what the, the people above, above them are thinking as far as like, you know, maybe it's time for them to move. You come out and state something like this, it could save you another year, you know, and that year could be beneficial to keeping you around even longer. Yeah. It could save your job too. And I feel this organization owes it to their fan base because Montreal has the best fan base in hockey and any player who's played in the Bell Center will tell you that. You know, they will always have fans no matter what product they put on the ice. If If they were the Detroit Red Wings this year, the Bell Center would sell out every single night. They're never... So it's not a financial thing where, oh, if we're bad, we're not going to sell tickets. It's just... In my opinion, Bergevin honestly not knowing what the fuck he's doing. I don't think he knows if he's going to compete or not. And that's just not the way to build a winning hockey team. No. He's looking for those those big picks. You know, he's he's looking for big moves. Granted, I like I like that about him. But man, fuck, dude, how hard, you know, and we're not we're nowhere near like what's going on with Buffalo and how they're 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 fucking, you know, uh you know, their GMs and even above them are treating the fans and the team itself. We're far from that. But, I mean, fuck, dude. Like, I don't ever want to think down the road that we're that we're being so neglectful to a, a very strong and passionate fan base. 
And I think it just sucks too because it's such a storied franchise. Like you mentioned a while ago now, because we've been talking for a fucking long time, but uh, the 24 cups, you know, this organize that means something. And this, the blue Blanque Rouge used to mean a lot. It used to mean respect. It used to have hold this air of greatness about it. You know, just it's the Montreal Canadians. And I think since 1993, it's been a fucking joke. What what has Montreal done? They've never, aside from that, those two cup runs where that were ended by mainly Chris Kreider being a fucking idiot, mm-hmm. killing Carey Price. We haven't had a chance at the cup, and I just you know I would like to, to at some point in the near future, see Montreal make another run at it, one where I can actually fucking remember. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, you know, we're not that far away from, from having another team, you know, that could get us second, third round in the playoffs. We have a solid team right now that just needs some extra pieces to do it. We don't need a full rebuild, you know. Um, it just takes time, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's scary to think that time is running out with some of these – key members, you know, Carey Price being, like, the number one to get us into that position. You know, like, I would hate so much to watch these guys start to retire and feel like we wasted, you know, we we lost our opportunity, you know, see, to bring to bring greatness back to this fucking franchise. See, I think we've already wasted Carey Price. I think we did too, but I think I think he's got he's got it in him that if we put the pieces around him, he he can have that Brayton Holby season where he's trash, and then the second half of it he fucking like awakens and then absolutely destroys the playoffs. Like I, I think that's still in him. I don't think he's he's an eighty-two game you don't fucking take him out type of player anymore. You know, See, but I don't he even... has. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, you can f- finish your point. No, I'm just saying he's got like. He's got the ability of a goaltender that can't be taught. He's got this natural instinct that's still there. Regardless of, of his age, he's still going to have these moments where you're just like, how the fuck does he do that? He can't do them every night, but I think in the long run, we get someone to help him. We get some defensemen, and I'm not saying our defensemen are bad. We just get some more help around him. You know, take a little bit of time off of him. I wouldn't I wouldn't do to him what they're doing the uh, – the Lundqvist and you know in New York and basically make him like you know the third you know the third goalie, but I think he still has his moments and we could see you know what was that the 2018 Capitals Cup win or was it the 19? I think it was 18. I'm sorry, 18. but uh, I think that that ability is still in Carey Price. If we get if we give him a chance, he can do it. I'm not saying I th- – sorry, I just want to clarify. I'm not saying that Carey Price – I think Carey Price can come out next season and if he's in form, win the fucking Vesna. I know he has not played well to start the season this year. Honestly, after to, you know December and on, he played. he's played lights out. He's played very good hockey. I think he still has the ability to be the best goalie in the NHL, and I know a lot of people will fight me on that, but I do stick to that. I just think that at his age and with his contract, 
Montreal is not going to be able to build a team that can win the cup before he turns like 37, 36. And I think he'll be past his prime. So I just feel Montreal has lost the chance of winning a cup led by Carey Price. Okay. Yeah. Brandon, I can understand that. No, I get what you're saying as, as far as that. Yeah, that was my mistake. Um, I mean, fuck, man. I think <laughs> there's still there's still a chance, you know. Um, but it's it's one of those like you gotta act now, you know. It, I think for me personally, and I think we're gonna close things out here because, you know, I don't want to take up all of your fucking time. You know, last is it the last day of Mardi Gras? Or is it the first? Oh, it's the fucking last, bud. The last day of Mardi Gras. I don't want to take up your final moments of it. Talk, being depressed talking about Montreal. <laughs> but um, I do think that, um, you know, Carey Price will go down as one of the best goalies to play for the Montreal Canadiens. I think he'll go down as one of the best goalies to ever live. And I think that at the end of his career, his number will go up in the rafters right beside Patrick Waugh's. But I don't think, I don't personally think, I think there's a chance, but logically think that he will have a chance at a cup with Montreal. And I think the right direction is, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, if you can't feel the team that is going to win, you owe it to Carey Price if he wants, if this is what he wants to do, to trade him to, to a team. To send him somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Because he's done everything. And if he doesn't want to leave, I'm totally fine with that. He is the greatest Montreal Canadian I have ever lived, you know, to watch, lived through, witnessed. So if he wants to say that's fine, but if he has the wish to go and chase a cup, you fucking trade him so you can go and chase a cup. Yeah, he's uh, he's this generation's like golden child, you know, for the Canadians. Like, he's done everything right. But yeah, man, like you were saying, man, I would rather be depressed and talk Canadians than anything else. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that, bud. Well, to leave it on a high note, um, because I feel like we should, Nick Suzuki. Now third in rookie points. I'm thinking, man, what if he wins the Calder this year? I think there's a chance, and I want to know what you think. You know what, dude? I feel like he's got a, a better chance uh, than a lot of people right now. Uh, I think that with Kale McCarr getting injured and you haven't uh, – was it Quinn? Is it Quinn Hughes, the older one, the one who's in Vancouver? Yep. That dude really just just came out and really and really started to push push the momentum. But Nick Suzuki's playing for a team that isn't necessarily doing that great offensively. Now, granted, we we do have great nights like that, but this kid is becoming a deciding factor. As if he if he's having a great night, we're having a fucking great night. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think he's definitely got the abilities to to push it. I don't know if I would say he's he he would win the Calder as of right now, but the the season he's having, if there wasn't someone like a Quinn Hughes or a Kale McCarr out there right now, this is going to Nick Suzuki. I think he's got quite the fight of ha- quite the fight ahead of him, 
to take it, but I'm not saying that he's far from doing it. I think it's definitely an uphill battle. Um, Kale McCarr is going to pick up where he left off. He's already started. I think he's going to catch Quinn Hughes. But at the pace Nick Suzuki is going at now, and if he can continue staying hot or even get hotter, you know, he could easily pass them in rookie points. And I think at that point, you've got to think he, if there is a dark horse to win the Calder, he is it. And the one thing I think that is his saving grace more than the points, because the people who vote on this really do care about it is his defensive ability. You know, he is Mm -hmm. a rookie center, very responsible in his own end. And I do think the voters are going to eat that up. Oh, dude, absolutely. Um, and it's awesome to, to see that, you know, the Calder, the people that are in it for the Calder, two lights-out defensemen and a forward that's playing amazing. He's having an amazing offensive year, but not just that. He's basically a two – he's a two-way player. It's a 200-foot player right now. I I'll, Honestly, I forget that he's a rookie most of the time. <laughs> I he's, he's just – he's there and he produces and plays well. And I think if you really look back through the years, Brendan Gallagher was probably the last guy we've even discussed mm-hmm. about being rookie of the year. He finished second in points in the lockout year, uh, sorry, not in points in um, votes, the lockout shortened year. But uh, so it's really exciting. And I think it, it shows a lot where this team is going to be in the future. Um, I'm excited to see maybe we'll have a – if it doesn't work out with Nick Suzuki, we might have one next season in a Cole Caulfield. So that's really exciting. But I think we're going to leave some of that to talk about next time. You know, our next bye week with Bayou is coming up. So something we can discuss. Anyway, I think we'll leave it at that. Um, If you aren't, you know, following Benders on Twitter – Follow him at the Bayou Benders. If there's anything else you want to plug, go ahead, buddy. Oh, no, man. Just, you know, you can catch me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Bayou Benders. Uh, yeah, that's it, man. Um, I'd love to see Nick Suzuki. If he doesn't win it, his name should be in the top, in the top runnings for it. So. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on again, man. You know, it's becoming more often that you are, you know, coming becoming part of Habs Nightly. Um, this has obviously been a more laid back, chill episode. I'm actually, um, we were discussing earlier, going to Vermont on the Wednesday, and I, that's when I usually record. So, recording this Tuesday, you'll be listening to this Thursday. So, we just wanted to get something, you know, kind of chill for you guys to listen to. It's a little longer, too, to make up for the fact that, you know, we're not really, it's not really formal. But, um, you know, I've enjoyed talking to you, and I just want to thank you once again for coming on. No problem, man. Uh, absolutely enjoy it. Uh, Habs fans, we got something to look forward to in the future. You know, it sucks right now, but this team will be back on top again. Yeah. All right, Let's thanks. just keep our head high and uh, one game at a time. All right, thanks, buddy. No problem.